DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook. It is easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new bettors, and nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you courtside with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right. Pick any basketball team that is still in contention at $1, and if that team wins, you win $100 in site credits. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game, and if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 89 of Process Potables. This episode is titled Gentleman's Sweep. I'm joined by Steve as usual. My name is Dan, your host. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Says That. Steve is at SWJones87. Follow Process Potables across all social media at Process Potables. Steve, Sixers win the series 4 1. The Hawks took care of the Knicks tonight. So if my understanding is correct, game one will be Sunday. In Philadelphia, but first we need to wrap up talking about this series with the Wizards. The Sixers get the win tonight, one twenty nine to one twelve. Obviously, the biggest news in all of this is the MRI results of Joel Embiid. He has a torn meniscus, but it appears that it's something that has been there for quite some time. It's not something that appears to have been caused recently. But it is something that was, I guess, just identified or, you know, something that hasn't really been bothering him as much. Steve, my my first question to you really comes down to, you know, now that you know he's had this for quite some time, did can you recall any points where you looked at him and said, you know, I think something is bothering him or is this something that you know, you, you don't think you would have noticed barring him taking the time off. And then ultimately, we're going to have to speculate a little bit here, I guess. You know, what what are your thoughts going forward? Do you expect him back at some point in the second? Do you think he can come back for a conference finals if they get there? I mean, just overall, your thoughts on this entire Embiid injury thing that unfortunately, here we are again, another season, and, and it's the biggest talking point. Yeah, dude, that was definitely... Uh... I was initially very, very worried per a text message I sent you earlier in the day, but then I, I calmed myself down a little bit. Now I'm just concerned, not worried, which I which I think is least. I don't, I, sure. I don't, sure. We'll put it at If that, you say so. so, it's your feelings, man. <laughs> and when I first heard it, I said, you know, this is strange because I swore he's been diagnosed with, like, a very minor meniscus tear before. I don't know if that was maybe the other knee, but there's been nothing indicating that, He's been uh, playing hurt. I mean, this season it kind of seems like it's been his back that's been the main issue. 
Um, and just how he's been playing right before that injury, there's nothing that led me to believe that he was playing hurt or anything like that. So I'm just hoping that at the end of the day, dude, I'm listening to the Sixers medical staff, who I, I know over the years we haven't been you know very trustful of, but I still trust them more than the, all the doctors on Twitter. Um, and it just seems like the type of thing that I'm sure the falls he's taken – it, he he maybe like aggravated a little bit just needs some time to you know to chill and i just imagine they just took the gamble of you know what we're going to play much better we're going to be at home we should be able to beat them game 5 at home and i think mb just between now uh, if game 1 of round 2 is on sunday i you know maybe he plays uh I know a lot of people were encouraged by what they saw pregame with him uh, at shoot-around. Um, people did note that he wasn't running or really doing anything heavy impact. So, I mean, even when you're slightly injured, anyone can look fine when they're just taking jump shots. So, um, but I'm, I'm just – I'm trying to be really, really positive. And if he has to miss the first game against Atlanta, you know, so be it. But yeah, the doctor thing on Twitter, I'm not even going to give any attention to. Yeah. The fact that he went out there and warmed up tonight has to be really encouraging. Mm -hmm. That's something I didn't expect given everything we've read and talked about and and everything like that. So I don't know about game one because I'm pretty sure it's Sunday. I think that maybe they... With the success they had tonight, maybe they try and give it a go. You figure you have a lot of energy at home. The building's back to 100% capacity, which I think had a big deal tonight. The crowd was amazing tonight. They were rallying behind Tyrese Maxey especially, and then Seth Curry goes off and has probably the best game of his career, to be honest, and has it in the playoffs, uh, which is all the better. Seth Curry tonight, 30 points. 10 of 17 from the field, 3 of 6 from deep, 7 of 7 from the line. He was just bullying Howell Neto. I mean, he was doing whatever he wanted. It was awesome to see him look that aggressive, which isn't really something we've seen from him for most of the season, honestly. Uh, Seth ends up being the third highest scorer on the team for the series, averaging just shy of 16 when you take into consideration for tonight. Tobias Harris actually led the team for the series, averaging 25 a game. So it's all the haters out there. Yeah. Uh, and Bede, obviously the injury uh, shortened game hurt his average, taking him down to 24. But still, Tobias averaging 25 a game. Pretty sure all season I heard, oh, Tobias Harris can get you 20 points, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Averages 25 for the series, has that 37-point game in uh, game one. So uh, 25 and 10 for the record. Uh, just shy of four assists over a steal a game. Just awesome. Over 90% from the line, 38% from deep, over 50% from the field. So almost 50, 40, 90 for the series, basically. You, you can't say enough good things about Tobias Harris and absolutely being way more aggressive and assertive once the Embiid injury happened. It was frustrating to watch him get blocked so many times in game four by Washington. But that's the thing is with Embiid out, they knew he was the focal point. Like, yeah, it was ugly. He definitely didn't have his best game and I was frustrated with him. And I'm generally, you know, it takes a lot more for me to get frustrated with him than most. But, you know, I was, I was willing to admit like that was a bad game, but at the same time, you kind of got thrown into 
you know, hell basically saying, okay, Embiid's out and we weren't prepared for this. So now what do we do? Uh, well, we're just going to try and isolate Tobias and Washington knew it. They're not stupid. So bounces back really well tonight. The whole team bounces back tonight. Tyrese Maxey looked awesome tonight as well. He was just hunting his shots, playing very aggressive when he was on the court. He had 13 points tonight, took 14 shots, you know, uh, he, you know, he's, he's reckless, but he's aggressive and, I like the confidence. I'm fine with it. Yeah. Take all the shots. He was cre- he was basically creating offense when they had nothing else at those points. So I'll take it. Dwight Howard, an amazing night. He goes for 12 points and eight rebounds, but he goes eight of ten from the line. Dwight Howard. That's right. Eight of ten from the line, as we all expected. Ben Simmons, five of eight from the line. So free throw shooting huge for the Sixers tonight. They overall go 34. For four, of 43 from the line at just over 79%. So uh, a great showing for the Sixers to get by, to, to do it without Embiid, to move on the round two. So, again, we're at AC Beer Fest this weekend, so we're going to talk a ton about Hawks and Sixers. Uh, we'll get all that content out as fast as we can. Hopefully we'll be able to put a lot of stuff out on Saturday for everybody to listen to to get prepared for Sunday. Again, not sure of any specifics on Sunday, but from everything that I had read today, it sounded like unless either of the series went seven games, which obviously both wrapped up in five tonight with Knicks, Hawks, and us and the Wizards, it sounds like Sunday is all but a lock for game one. Just not sure when. We'll obviously be in Philadelphia. God forbid it's a noon game, dude. It's going <laughs> to... It definitely won't be noon. I could see, you know, one, one thirty maybe. Yeah. Um, because we, 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 we will probably not be up for that. <laughs> Got to give credit to our friend Troll Bro, dude. I love this tweet. Steve, do you remember the last time a Philadelphia team played an Atlanta team in the second round of the playoffs? Hmm, tell me. Eagles Super Bowl run. Damn right, baby. Denying Julio Jones in yeah. the end zone for the win. Steve, we'll talk about it at length on on Friday and Saturday, I'm sure. But just, you know... Right after watching this game, give me your your first thoughts on, you know, we don't have to talk. I don't think it'll be the whole series, but let's just say game one and B doesn't play. What what are your predictions for what the Sixers, you know, will do, need to do? You know, like what do they have to kind of look for to be successful in a game without Embiid? So I, right off the bat, I'm I'm not sure if we can get away with Ben at the five as much because uh, him get going up against Clint Capella, he might get beat up a little bit. Uh, so, you know, with having three, four days off before playing game one, they would have time to prepare. And I think maybe that's when you entertain starting Dwight Howard. Now then, the issue does, you know, come up well who who comes in his place. Uh, but, I mean, I, I think that's definitely a possibility. And then, like you said, we'll go on this uh, more in future episodes uh, shortly. But I, I think you're going to see a lot of the same things that you said uh have seen in this Wizards series where we, for the most part, had all of our attention towards Beal or Westbrook. I think we're going to give Trey Young that uh, same kind of treatment there. Um, And then I just, maybe I'm off base here, but I think with Atlanta, you could see, is, is it Kevin Herter, right, the redheaded dude? Oh, Herter is still there. But oh, okay. He only he's comes off the bench. He only played twenty minutes tonight. Okay, yeah, because I'm just, I just had this. Maybe it's a bit of an irrational fear that he could get hot like Bertans would, and you know. But yeah, I'm I mean, not. He's not the guy I would worry about. Bogdan's a guy I would worry about. Yeah, um, they're much better. 
the, the help around Trey is much better than the help around Beal or Westbrook. While Beal is, I would put Beal over Trey still at this point, and I would say Russ would be number three probably. But when you look at you know when you talk about the Wizards having Howell Neto and Ish Smith and Roy Hachimura and Daniel Gafford, when you talk about the starting five for Atlanta, you talk about John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella, Bogdan Bogdanovich, a much better overall. Five, but they don't have that top two that the Wizards have. So it's yeah. kind of more of a balanced attack, but it's also, I think the Sixers one-on-one can handle a lot of those guys pretty well. Your point of Clint Capella versus Ben Simmons is definitely a good one. That definitely scares me. Capella tonight had 14 points and 15 boards, uh, a plus 21. So he's definitely that impactful rim runner you remember from uh, his tag teaming days with Harden in Houston. And then he kind of fell off once they got rid of him, but he's bounced back in a big way. Trey Young, obviously going to be the focal point. But again, I think he's just a guy that when you talk about the attention they had to pay to Beal, and one of the things I have to give Doc Rivers credit for tonight was not starting Mike Scott and starting Matisse Stiebel instead because we saw what happened in the last game. Granted, I think the fix might have been in a little bit, but let's let's toss that out for the sake (laughs) of it. Ben getting in the foul trouble. We saw in the regular season, Doc didn't like throwing Ben on Beal. And unfortunately, it seemed like Beal was just getting his so much that you kind of had to try it. Tonight, you saw Thibel on Beal a lot because you can afford to let Thibel be a little reckless because you're not going to ask Thibel to play 40 minutes. So even if he starts racking up fouls, you know that's not really the expectation for Thibel as much as it is for Ben Simmons, obviously, to play that much. So when you look tonight, you say Thibel only played, he, didn't even, he played just over 16 minutes. Seemed he played a lot more than that. It felt like he did, yeah, yeah. and he racked up four fouls in 16 <laughs> minutes, so he was definitely getting his money's worth against Bradley Beal, but that was just enough to spell Ben Simmons off of him a little bit so that Ben didn't have the same foul trouble. So I think that was a good adjustment by Doc. I, I Obviously, I don't think Ben Simmons is going to deal with Trey that much. I think that, that very well could be a by-committee kind of thing. You could see some Matisse. You'll probably see Seth on him a little bit. George Hill could be useful in that. Tyrese Maxey will probably take him on in his minutes. We saw him actually do a pretty decent job against Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Much better than I expected. You have Shake Milton, who we've talked about his struggles, but you have a lot of guys you can throw at Trey Young. So, fortunately for that, you know, I think they have the guys, even if somebody gets into foul trouble, to kind of sub guys in and out. Everybody else on the Hawks, I feel like you can trust the one-on-one matchup. Again, like you said, outside of Capella. But, you know, Dwight can hang with him a little bit. And once you have Embiid back, it's not anything I'm worried about. So, you know, we'll see what happens in game one. It'll be something we talk about a lot. I would love to get a somebody who covers the Hawks uh, to maybe call in with us on Friday or on Saturday. So something I'll work on. But. As far as tonight, besides Seth Curry, was there anybody uh, that you were you know overly impressed with? Uh, what about Mister uh, Furkan Korkmaz? Well, I mean, he always impresses us, but I mean, got to bring him up, right? Yeah, I mean, ten points off the bench, two of five from deep. I mean, it just felt like he only played fourteen minutes. It it really only felt like he had that one stretch, but that one stretch really felt like the game. It felt like it extended the game from you know. Hovering in single digits, you, you you still felt in control at that point. Yeah, but I think he, I think it might have been back to back possessions. He hit threes, or very close by, he hit right. uh, threes on possessions that really seemed like it stretches the double digits, and they never looked back. So, I think if if we set the bar low for Furkan, 
I think the best thing about him is, is, and this is something that I don't think even like the biggest haters have really doubted. If he comes in hot, like that one stretch that he plays where he comes in hot can absolutely change the dynamic of a game. Do I expect him for like 30 minutes to be a very quality on-court guy? No, probably not. Oh, no. And if you roll him out there on his first shift and he doesn't have it, then you know maybe you don't go back to him. And that's kind of something he's probably going to have to learn to live with is he's got to come in firing to earn the right to stay on the that's floor. True. If he comes in cold, then... You know, he's probably not going to get minutes over a George Hill, over a Tyrese Maxey, or, or over a Matisse Thibel. So you saw that in the regular season with him. There was a point where he was playing so poorly that Doc actually basically came out and said that Isaiah Joe could steal his role in his minutes. You saw, I think he went like a game or two of DNP. Isaiah Joe didn't play all that well. Yeah. And then Furkan came back in and he was hot for a little bit. So. You've seen him respond well to the idea of losing his job, and now he's coming in in these spurts and looking really good. So uh, you got to give him credit for responding to those types of situations, for responding to the times where he doesn't play and coming back and bouncing back strong instead of letting it impact his game. So I think that's like the best takeaway for a guy like Furkan Korkmaz. Again, like looking at the the minutes distribution tonight, I mean. Other than the three guys who played in the in the curtain call at the end, you still had eleven guys play, and you didn't have him be tonight. So you figure, you know, Mike Scott and Shake Milton are really kind of the odd guys out at five minutes and and just shy of seven minutes. But then you still had nine guys play fourteen minutes or more. So yeah. again, that's without Embiid. So this team can go deep. We talked about at the beginning of the series. Are they gonna keep going that deep as we go further on? I don't know, but I do think that Atlanta's a team because of their depth that you're also gonna see similar to the same thing. Now when we look at their lineups tonight, they really only went seven deep for real. They only had seven guys who played seventeen minutes or more. So other than the starting five who all logged 34 minutes or more. You had Kevin Herter with 20, a guy you brought up, and then Danilo Gallinari with 17. So I think that that's going to be a tough thing for Atlanta to sustain, especially if the series goes long, which it could, depending on Embiid's availability, because even if they have success or even if the Sixers struggle, I mean, we've you heard Scott Brooks and the Wizards talk about the Sixers' physicality and how they impose their will on you. We, you know, we've talked for a few seasons now about them being bullies and bullying people. And, I mean, even without Embiid, they have a lot of size. Tobias is big. Ben is big. Matisse is, is a pest. Dwight's a physical center. So I think it's going to be kind of rough for guys like John Collins and DeAndre Hunter to – play 40 minutes a game against the size the Sixers have. You, you figured the Knicks might have been able to do that too because they seemed like a physical defensive team in the regular season, but they just they just weren't they weren't ready to show up here in this postseason. Yeah, and like every other Thibodeau team, they just kind of just were washed. Yeah. And I think the most uh, encouraging thing about the bench is that the ability of to mix the lineups a little bit. My main concern about the bench going into the playoffs is – Doc Rivers has these hockey change lineups with the first and second unit, and it just always seems that whether it's Furcon, Dwight Howard, Tyrese, uh, they always have their best games when they're with that second unit. So it always seemed like when they're in with most of the starters, there there isn't as much of a you know much of cohesion or chemistry there. Uh, but to see you know Tyrese come in, and, and it's just kind of crazy how all it takes is just Embiid uh, to be out 
for a game. And then, you know, that whole lineup change is out the window. They had to uh, more traditionally substitute guys in. So it's, I mean, that, that was a big concern of mine and it's seeing a, you know, whether it's a veteran like Dwight Howard or someone as young as Maxie, just to, to, to be able to, you know, when their number got called like they showed up and, and it worked out. Like, so I, that was a huge relief for me. Yeah. I, I think the versatility of who you can use off the bench, like you said, is, is a huge plus for this team. We've talked about it a little bit, and I'm sure it's something we can explore this weekend. We'll, we'll have plenty of time to break this down more. So I want to get us out of here and save a lot of the content for the weekend. Steve, before we go, is there anything else uh, from this first uh, round? Play the song! Play the song! Well, you didn't tell me you were going to do that. <laughs> no, I just thought of it. Please hold. Oh, uh, uh, is that yeah, sound? Don't, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we can get sued for this, but oh, yeah, that's all right. It says highlights over it, apparently. Played the song for you. You don't even look like you care. Oh, I care, buddy. I think you forget that. Like I'm the guy at shows that stands there, like he has to stick up his ass with his arms crossed. Yeah, like, right. well, you know, I I can't sing. We're hardcore kids. Y- yeah, I'll do a little bit of it, like a head nod, like rocks night at the Roxbury, but yeah. I'll, I'll leave everybody with this. Thanks for listening. Well, plenty of content this weekend from ACBRFest, so make sure uh, you're checking your feeds for that. Make sure you follow us on our social media at Process Photos for Steve. I'm Dan. Trust the process. Sixers and six, baby. Let's go. No, nothing changes here. No cowards. No, we're going to the fucking finals.